You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our coverage of Third Watch, our exclusive coverage of Third Watch here on the Oz Network as we move very much into the very, very, very pointy end of season two. We are up to episode 19. It's called Walking Wounded, first aired on the 23rd of April 2001. It was written by Bonnie Mark and it was directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino. What a name, I love that name. Uh, Got a lot to talk about this episode, as per usual. My name is Ben and I got lucky. That's me. Sully. Now you're trying to do the. Now, now you're trying to do the Sully. <laughs> didn't really work. Didn't really work. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> my <laughs> my name's Darvell, and I've just come off a week of forced OT. Cut me some slack, huh? No. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of been like two weeks, really, because obviously Brady was on our last couple of episodes, but. Um, Welcome back, Darvell. It's good to have you back. Uh, pleasure to have you yeah, it's here. It's good to be back. And uh, once again, uh, we're here to talk about uh, the brilliant show that you're watching. Sort of as I alluded to a little bit uh, at the end of Honor, I feel this is kind of um, an interesting episode. This, this to me, has got a lot of shades of what we got to expect moving forward with some some stuff later on with Third Watch. Kind of, it's got a, it's got a bit of feels to me about some season three, season four vibes, just kind of with some of the storylines in it. But um, I think it's a well balanced episode. I mean. In, if I'm being completely honest, I think this is maybe one of the weaker episodes of this season, but it's still a good episode. I'm not saying it's not a bad episode. Um, I still think that it's got some strong stuff in it that puts this up higher than a lot of the other episodes. But I definitely personally put this one in the bottom half of season two. Um, but yeah, it's still a solid episode. I don't know kind of if you've got any pre-thoughts of this one at all, Darvell. Well, one of the things I like about this episode is... Um, one of the things that's going to happen is... I think you're going to start to see you. You, of course, are going to see a change in Jimmy and a change in Kim. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely stuff to look forward to from this point onward. I especially like how, from this point onward, spoiler alert, from this point onward, Jimmy really starts to grow up here. I think. Yeah. In some ways, it's interesting how, like, what you and I pointed out. I think. Um, you know, with Bobby's death and kind of when Kim's got the gun pointed to her head that we kind of mentioned that Kim sort of has changed from that point on for obvious reasons. But I guess we kind of never really spoke about, yeah, Jimmy changing. Because, um, you know, I mean, we we didn't even really talk about that last week in honour. And I guess kind of you didn't really get too much of it there because, I mean, kind of all we've seen Jimmy's reaction so far in regards to Kim was a bit of a conversation in the self of being, self-importance of being Carlos with Kim, and then obviously last week, I mean, Kim sort of just showed up with Demon Child Joey, and they they were watching them play football. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think kind of it's interesting, and I think we'll have a lot to talk about with Jimmy uh, moving forward here with the Jimmy and Kim stuff, because, you know, Jimmy obviously mm-hmm. has um, a varying reaction to what Kim will do, and... Um, I think what's really interesting kind of with Jimmy and Kim stuff moving forward is that we get an interesting storyline with them. And I think kind of whether you agree or disagree with kind of what's going on between these two um, and what Kim does and everything along those lines, I think it's it's a unique storyline for a network TV show at this point in time. I think we it's very important to discuss, and I think they do it very, very well, because this obviously is a storyline that goes on to pretty much large portions of season three with how Jimmy will react to Joey and things like that. So, um, yeah, good point there, Darvell, good point. What do you mean by you think it's an interesting storyline for network TV well, it just, at this particular I mean, time? I just feel that, 
the issue of suicide and suicide attempts wasn't necessarily something as extended as much as they will do with it. Like, I mean, it's kind of, um, I mean, even today to kind of, you know, in today's society, it's still something that a lot of TV shows will portray in a certain way, uh, particularly network TV shows compared to uh, cable shows. So I think that kind of, and we'll obviously get to the scene when it happens and kind of the way they do it, I feel like, I'm not saying it's ahead of its time and I'm not saying Third Watch was the only show to deal with suicide attempts and things like that. I mean, other shows have had storylines, other shows have had characters who actually go through with it and things like that. It's, It's still one of these very taboo subjects that networks I feel don't know how to deal with if you know what I mean so I kind of think the way they kind of extend this storyline uh it's it's interesting you know it's not just like a a, yeah. a blink and you miss it moment they they deal with it quite well I feel yeah yeah or maybe that I'm I'm I'll bet you there are some network shows or some networks who would actually love to address this kind of thing but Oh, don't even get me started on this group. We have a group. We have a group here in America called the Parents Television Council. Have you heard of them? Uh, no, I have not. Well, they might have similar. They might have similar groups in Australia, but um, without spending too much time on on the subject, basically, you know, they monitor they monitor television, and their whole their whole concern is, oh, keep the children safe. You know, the one of those moral rights groups who thinks they have the right to tell everybody what they can and can't watch, mm-hmm. more or less. Right, right. So, yeah, they would de- a group like that. They would definitely be up in arms if a if a if a network TV show or any TV show really even now tried to address that because. The children may be watching. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get to that scene when we get ah, to it. The children may be watching. <laughs> because um, we obviously, I think, when we covered our when we did Nip Tuck in season one, there was a um, a suicide storyline, and it was actually a very graphic depiction of suicide. And I mean, the difference between Nip Tuck and Third Watch, among many things, is that Nip Tuck obviously was on a cable network on FX, as opposed to you know a network station of NBC. So. Um, yeah, we'll obviously get to that bit because, you know, I think there's a bit to discuss around that. But anyway, um, yeah, it's an interesting episode. So we, um, straight away, we're in a, a, a building, uh, they're searching around this, uh, place. There's, uh, reports of, uh, people being sick and they're going around. They can't find anything. It's all dark. And then all of a sudden they find a crap load of dead bodies, um, everywhere they look, uh, everybody seems to be dead. It's the drug house, of course. Um, and, and birds flying around them, presumably. Yeah, yeah, there are. Uh, they're complaining about the stink. Um, and I just, you know, kind of, we've talked a lot about sort of the reactions when it comes to like Bosco and things like that, you know, just their way of doing, you know, Bosco talking about it being a slumber party, um, things like that. And, um, Bosco. you know, just Bosco being completely inappropriate, but of course it's also their way of, uh, I guess, uh, dealing it um then we kind of get uh you know them searching through the bodies and we sort of see this one victim's got a cross around their neck and i love bosco oh religious huh a lot of good that did you um and then you know it's 18 karat gold apparently you can just tell by looking at a necklace that it's 18 karat gold so i don't know if you know much about jewelry i wouldn't know yeah maybe it's a, a jewelry expert maybe yokus is hidden jewelry expert i don't really know um I like when that sort of Bosco and Yokus leave because they've got a tip off or something outside. And I love when Sully and that's like going off with them. Like, what about the bodies? And it's like, oh, come on, Sully, you're in such a voluntary mood. Bosco! And they just like walk out. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's funny. Um, oh, man. They go outside. Yeah. With, uh, we meet a guy. He's on a phone, pay phone. He does a bit of a runner. Uh, but Bosco catches him. Why are you running, man? Um, and we first learn about China Red, which has been brought in from somebody from Philadelphia, which seems to be playing a part in this show in the next couple of episodes. Um, yep. And he just wanted to get high, but uh, we've obviously got uh, some bad heroin going around the streets of New York. Um, I do kind of like Bosco here, like, oh, play a damn violin for the guy. Like, you know, again, he's just reactions. Um, (laughs) But this this is me. This is where I I feel it's kind of got a bit of a vibe of some of the later seasons, season three, season four, because this is one of the rare occasions I feel that the job or the storyline, as in, like, what these police are actually dealing with, takes more precedence in the characters. I mean, obviously, we've got some character stuff yes. going on, when it, you know, a bit of Sally character stuff. Uh, we've obviously got the, the Kim and Jimmy character stuff, but, you know, this is really a vibe of a later season when this show really does switch focus to what they're actually going after in terms of their jobs rather than the characters. So that's why I feel that this has a definite vibe of a later season. I don't know if you get that vibe or not. Not, not really, not just yet. I mean, I still think of season two as being more character driven than anything else. And season three also, I think it's, I would actually say that it's more around, like you said, season four, season five, season six. That's really when it gets, that's really when it becomes more about the jobs and less about how their jobs affect them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely a transition, and I was sort of talking to this to Brandy uh, off-air in regards to there's one episode in season three, which <clears> to me is the actual moment this show kind of does start to shift more so, and I think this show, I think Third Watch, when it starts to get over-reliant on uh, musical montages, can also switch focus towards a lot of... Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of generic cop show feel when it kind of does really switch focus to cops. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that's always a bad thing because, I mean, as I was saying to Brandy, some of these musical montages perfectly fit the situation we're looking at. They're great songs. They fit the the tone of the episode and they work. And I think nothing else could have worked better. There are also some where it's just, just it's really cheesy and does not fit in with it at all. But yeah, like, I mean, a lot of people, again, argue that this show switch focus as soon as you get uh, crews coming into it and things like that. I might argue it's more so another character that we'll get in season four when it comes to a certain uh, police officer's daughter changing actors to come a little bit more dramatic. But uh, that's another story when we get to season four. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah, I think that's around, like, episode five or so of season four that that happens. What, Cruz or Emily? Emily. Uh, Emily's brought in in the first episode from memory. I think uh, we get to meet Bonnie Dennison in the very first episode of season four. But I think when you you talk about when she actually starts going a bit cray-cray or... um, (laughs) (laughs) and arguing with faith every turn then we get snow blind um but <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, Ben. We'll get to that anyway. But yeah, no, I, mean, I agree. I agree. I think like that episode, but we'll get to that. I, I definitely agree. I think season three is kind of a very transitional season. Again, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. We're still here in season two, but I just feel that this episode here, I think Walking Wounded, just has a few little elements of seasons moving forward that kind of you know at least remind me of it anyway. Um, so we've got another victim here in a in a restaurant. Um, uh, that she's taken the drugs. Um, we've got this sort of waiter guy, like, we don't allow this type of activity in my place. He's like, lock the door! Like, going off at him. So, um, <laughs> you know, just uh, some guy trying to shovel out the dead drug people, why not? 
Uh, we have roll call. Boss goes late again, but apparently doesn't get told off this time. Sergeant Christopher's not there, but, uh, you know, Swirsky doesn't really care. We find out this heroin is 70%, and usually it's about 5% pure. So, um, yeah, it's it's obviously a little bit uh, bad shit. And then uh, I love Bosco here just sort of saying, like, I'll give it a week, let's thin the herd. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I kind of, I, oh, like, it's one of these things that he's just so inappropriate for saying. But, like, you know, I guess some people there are probably literally thinking, like, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bosco's the kind of person, I know I'm being Captain Obvious here, but he's the kind of person who's going to say what everyone else is thinking. But you shouldn't but say. But doesn't yeah. want to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I kind of, like, what does he say? Like, oh, you know what they've all got in common? I don't care about any of them or something like that. Just yeah. Like- <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Bosco, don't change. Um, but then we're Bosco, at the firehouse. Bosco, Bosco. We got we got Kim, and um, yeah. I mean, look, it's just interesting the Kim stuff, and I, I, I real props to Kim Raven moving forward here. You know, I joke. You know, I have a semi joke about her sounding like a goat when she's all like, "Bobby's gone." But like, you know, like she. She handles all this stuff moving forward here fantastically, and we kind of just get this nice scene of her showing up to the firehouse. She's all sort of like sheepish and you know a bit nervous, and she's she's wanting to. And how did anyone not pick up on that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think kind of it's it's a case of these things that you know you're worried about her and all this sort of stuff, but I guess you just don't know what to do. I mean. I've been on both ends of this, so I kind of think that I can sort of... I mean, I relate to a lot of stuff that goes on with Kim in these storylines moving forward, and I'm, mm-hmm. um, this is something I won't go into detail about my private life, but, I mean, I think kind of, you know, a lot of what I, I get with this character and kind of what she's dealing with is that I can definitely relate to a lot of things she goes through here. So, I mean, I, I definitely feel for her that she comes here and she's obviously asking. She, she's ready to go back to work, but obviously nobody's trusting her, but they don't think so. So, Taylor's jumping in and being like, oh, I'll take your shift, and Doc's like, oh, you know, come back when you're ready. So... I think kind of they just don't know how to deal with this, and I guess they're not expecting to see what's going to happen next, so they just assume she's going to be okay. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, the parallels. I was thinking about this, like, when Jimmy came back, like, nobody... I know it's different situations. Jimmy was shot. He wasn't, you know, dealing with the death of somebody. But, you know, I, and was this just a a character trait when it comes to Kim and Jimmy? Um, is it a is it a male-female thing that they kind of don't really sort of look out for Jimmy? They assume he's going to be okay, but Kim, they don't. Like, it's kind of interesting that they, they they don't really do this with Jimmy when he wants to come back, and clearly he's not ready to come back. But Kim, and I'm not saying she's ready to come back because clearly she probably isn't, but how they just kind of dismiss her, and then that ultimately... And I'm not blaming everybody in the firehouse for what she ultimately does because Jimmy kind of has a perfect line later on when he says, oh, so it's everybody's fault except for hers. Um, you know, it's kind of it's it's got to be obviously a, a a key factor into her mental capacity at this time. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just yeah, it's very well acted. I think Kim Raver handles it very well, and so does everybody else around her. And in terms of just their dealing with this situation, because you know you, they're not, I guess, knowing what to do with her at this point. Yeah, and to answer your question of whether it's a character thing or a a character trait or a male female thing. Honestly, I think it's more – I think it is a male versus female thing because, mm. I mean, yeah. when people – I just think that in that kind of job, I mean, I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> in that kind of, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I, it's, it comes down to a lot I of the time. It, it's like, I had the, I had it. yeah, I was just going to say, Sorry. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that you know, 
Uh, and it's still a thing when it's like, um, I guess women sort of are, are perceived as, you know, certain levels of emotion and that sort of stuff. And they're, they're looked after and I'm not saying looked after, but as in, well, they are looked after, but like people look out for it and sort of are a bit more skeptical of, I guess, that side of thing in what society is acceptable. And it's kind of, it's also not really acceptable for men to be emotional. So it's kind of assumed that they're going to suck it up and they'll be fine. So, um, and like, and we saw that and obviously in Jimmy's episode where, you know, he was pride got in the way of kind of his feelings. So, um, yeah. Damn near killed one of his fellow firefighters as a result. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but you're still great scene, great sort of, uh, way there that they kind of do it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we've got Sully and Davis in the car. Sully's talking to Davis here about the fact Tatiana wants to, uh, to marry him. Um, and then, you know, talking, talking here, it's just an interesting conversation here about Davis sort of being skeptical. You know, I know, I knew it, I knew it. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Um, kind of, again, you just really feel for Sully here because, again, he's so conflicted. He doesn't know what the truth is and everything along those lines. So, um, you know, we'll get a bit more Tatiana. Storms out of the car as a result. And we get a, we get a little bit more of that coming up later on. Uh, we've got Kim in the, uh, firehouse still. Uh, talking to Doc, pouring coffee, talking about uh, Bobby's mum being down in Florida with his sisters. Um, and he sort of, I like sort of Kim's bit here where she's like, you know, why do I get so much time off? You know, you all lost him too. And they're all kind of obviously like... But you well, rode with him every day. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like Carlos coming in, giving Kim a hug. And it's like, you're late. And then kind of as you sort of hear, I've been on Force OT all week, give me some slack. Um, and then obviously, yeah. you know, Doc sort of saying, give it a few more weeks and then you can come back. And, you know, it's interesting, this conversation, because like, you know, obviously we're going to get, um, Doc's sort of reaction to what will happen with Kim a little bit later on. He sort of loosely blames himself in some way, but, um, you know, again, kind of, I think some interesting points. Typical Doc trait. Points moving forward. Uh, we've then got Bosco and, uh, Yoka showing up to one of the victim's, uh, mothers. And I kind of like how they start this off, how we've got like a shot of, um, it's kind of like the, the fish eye, the, like the look, the looking little lens that you look through a door when someone knocks on your door. Just, it's cleverly edited. The peephole. Yeah, the peephole. Thank you. Um, but, uh, we get this kind of nice little scene, you know, obviously, what does, uh, Bosco say? Like, oh, you know, I hope it when they, I hope she doesn't get all hysterical. I hate it when they get all hysterical, but he's quick to be able to switch that off, isn't he? Cause then he takes his hat off. He's all kind of like, you know, proper and calm. Again, it's just Bosco. Like he's going to say inappropriate things and have inappropriate opinions. But when it comes to the job, he's never really overly inappropriate. Like is sometimes, but, um, so, but yeah. you know, honestly, it makes me think of just that right there. Oh, I hope I hope they I hope she doesn't get hysterical. I really hate it when they get hysterical. Then he takes his and then he's you know just his soft side comes out again. Okay, if Bosco, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but if Bosco were a modern day television character, just that alone makes me think that. And maybe this is a stretch, but that makes me think that the guy is probably. I mean, we know he has a temper, but I think he might actually be bipolar. Seeing as this episode is kind of about men, mental health in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, there's traits. Maybe there, that's but, a maybe that's a stretch. Oh, well, I think there's traits, but I think bipolar people have a lot more extremes than Bosco does. And um, yeah, you know, even if he did, he wouldn't be the type of person to go and get medication and admit to it. So uh, I think no. it's kind of. Yeah, I mean, I can see your point, but I think bipolar is way far more levels of extreme. You're way too more happy and way too more upset rather than just kind of having this. I mean, I think it's more of an ADD thing or something like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, definite traits there, but I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's bipolar. They would have to do more extremes yeah. with it. 
But um, yeah, been... sorry, you go. I was going to say, hey, any um, any any mental health experts listening? Wonder what you guys would say about Bosco. Possibly, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we got obviously the scene when they hand him the hand of the photo, and she kind of puts it in the the pocket. It's obviously a photo of the the dead body, and kind of she's mentioning, um, you know, about giving him the the this, this is obviously the victim that had the cross around their neck, and kind of just a sweet little scene. And she's asked him for coffee. Oh, please, it's already brewed. Like she just wants some company, and nice little scene. Yeah, you know, so this is kind of what Third Watch does well, I guess, kind of. And it's something, again, moving forward, we won't see a whole lot of when it comes to them sort of dealing with the, the victim's family. I mean, I know there is definitely one in season six when it comes to Finney on his first day of the job. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's – and that's a nice scene. I'm not saying, you know, season six is completely awful that there's nothing redeeming about it. But, um, yeah, I think this is kind of something that you'll lose along the way. And I'm not trying to be here to be negatives like, oh, if you're going to keep watching Third Watch with this, it's going to get bad. And by all means, does Third Watch never get bad? It just – loses a certain level kind of, of quality that we've got right now. So, And we'll talk about this, I feel, in our Season 2 recap, that kind of, as I said, After Hours is sort of peak third watch. Season 2 is really peak third watch um, because it doesn't get any better than Season 2 in my eyes, but it still doesn't become terrible. It's still a very, very, very good show. And we've still got some great episodes yeah. moving forward and great seasons moving forward. So... Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say it's a lot more consistent than say we're discovering with Nip Tuck, which I love Nip Tuck. I think it's a great show and I'm glad we're covering it, but the quality of Nip Tuck definitely diminishes a lot more in season three than the quality of third watch does. So, um, there's just a, a few. How many seasons was Nip Tuck on six. for? All, all three shows that we're covering here at the moment are all six seasons. Uh, but third watch has the most episodes out of all three of them. So, um, it's interesting, kind of the differences with it, but yeah, Nip Tuck has six, Lost has six, Third Watch has six seasons. So, um, okay, yeah, it's I interesting. If Third Watch could have worked on cable. Um, I mean, do we want to see it though Just a on cable? Thought. Like, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I guess you get a few more swear words and a bit more graphic stuff, but I think it handles it quite well. I mean, as it is, we get a bit of language here and there. We get a you know some graphic stuff that they put on. You know, I mean. It would just be a different show. It's kind of like thinking how yeah. would Breaking Bad work on network, or how would Game of Thrones work on network TV? You know, it's kind of like, Game of Thrones wouldn't work well, on network. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, look, I see you. Like, I don't know. I mean, it would be a different, it would be an interesting thing to think of. But I'm kind of glad we've got what we've got with it. You know, um, yeah. And it's a show that doesn't really need swear. I mean, Bosco would just be running off the mouth all the time. Um, wasn't it, isn't <laughs> yeah. it in, um, in Southland, they censor it right. Like they swear, but they kind of put beeps over it. Um, from, yeah, memory. even, yeah, even when it was airing on TNT, they did that. But I understand that some, I understand that they, uh, when they released the DVDs of all five seasons of Southland, they released them in both censored and uncensored formats. And I believe they did that deliberately because um, they kind of made it... I think I read a thing about it because John Wells was involved in creating Southland as well from memory. And mm-hmm. um, I think they... And Chris Chulak. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of Third Watch influence with Southland. And from memory, I think it came down to they sort of wanted to film it in kind of a documentary style without it being like a documentary. And they thought it was sort of made it realistic and gritty by having them say what they want to, but adding sensors to it. It kind of made it feel like you're watching a documentary and that if it was a documentary, they'd obviously censor it. Um, and I'm pretty sure from memory, I watched it with like some episodes with the censored and some without it. And in some weird way, the censored actually made it more effective. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, Southland's such a good show. Not as good as Third Watch, but, um, yeah, we'll obviously get to Southland one day. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I've been meaning to check that out, it's actually, a good show. Southland. I it mean. is a very good show. It's very, like, I've often read that a lot of police say it's one of the most realistic cop shows that's ever been on TV. Um, the Shield is one as well they talk about. I didn't even read some people talk about Third Watch being quite realistic for a large portion of its time. So, um yeah, yeah, for sure. There's actually another show um, which I haven't really mentioned too much of, and I think there's a reference um, in one of these episodes. I don't know what one it is. But there's a song being played in the background, which actually was the uh, the theme song for. I don't know if you ever heard of a show called NYC Two Two, New NYC Twenty Two. Um, NYC Two Two. Yes, that was on in I think. It was either the fall of 2010 or the fall of 2011. It it didn't last. No, it only lasted about 18 or so episodes. And it was kind of about, like, um, a a group of NYPD cops. And a lot of them were rookies and kind of just their interactions. And, I mean, I I sort of put off watching it for a while, but... I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I had, like, Lily Sabowski in it, who I had, like, a mad crush on when I was younger. Um, and I believe uh, Skip Sardis was in it for a few episodes, too. So I think that was kind of another one that sort of drew me there. Uh, Adam Goldberg, who's kind of been in a few things here and there as well. I uh, had a great young cast. But, um, yeah, 13 episodes, actually. It didn't last quite as long as 20. But, um, yeah, it, it was yeah. actually a fairly well-put-together show. And it kind of... It was a CBS show, it was a network show, um, and it came out uh, 2012, and it, so it was a yeah, mid-season was, replacement for CSI Miami, so there you go. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's it. Why do networks even bother doing mid-season replacements? Most of the mid-season replacements don't last. Well, so, it, I mean, Survivor is a famous uh, sort of mid-season summer show that I uh, wasn't expected to do well and obviously went on to huge things. Uh, you know, there are definitely some cases of shows which do go on to big things. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of... they. I mean, when a show gets cancelled or a show kind of has to go off the air, they've got to put something on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably... They probably get a script and it's probably a pilot they put out, which is kind of they're sort of lukewarm on. There's probably pilots with like, yeah, this is definitely going to work. There are pilots which they're going to pass off and then there'll be a pilot where they'll sort of be on the maybe pile and then they'll probably give a green light and say like, oh, this is maybe a mid-season replacement. We'll see how it goes. Um, so that's kind of what I think they would do. But yeah, for fans of Third Watch, fans of like, you know, NYPD sort of storylines and stuff like that, shows... Um, yeah, I'd recommend NYC 22. If you kind of just want something short to watch, don't get attached to it again. It only lasts for 13 episodes. Um, so, but yeah, I think it was a solid show. It's a lot, like, I would honestly say in terms of, like, the grittiness and the the, the, the closeness to, say, third watch that you like, especially in this uh, period right now, is a better show than Blue Bloods. Um, but again, Blue Bloods obviously has got a lot more going for it because, what, we're into about season eight now of Blue Bloods, so... Um, yes, season eight. So, yeah, and I mean... Again, I, I think I kind of loosely follow a lot of these shows because obviously I love the NYPD and kind of third watch love. Um, but I mean, I don't watch every show with the NYPD. Like, what's that, Brooklyn Nine Nine? I've never watched that. I know it's a comedy, but um, I'd yeah. like to watch it. It seems quite funny, but yeah, you know. Anyway, yeah, maybe I've asked you this already, but did you ever watch NYPD Blue? Oh, uh, look, I think I was too young when that was on, uh, when it started. Um, and yeah, I kind of never ended up watching it. I mean, ER was sort of the first adult show that I ever watched when I was sort of growing up in the 90s. But um, I mean, I've maybe seen an episode or two of NYPD Blue, but I never kind of got into it. So um, yeah, Third Watch mm. was kind of the first one. Uh, I, I started watching some of CSI New York 
Because, I mean, I I used to watch the first CSI as everyone did when it first came out and then kind of it gave me the shits because I didn't like William Peterson. And then I sort of started watching CSI Miami for a little bit and I'm like, eh, this is okay. But then when CSI New York started, because I liked Gary Sinise and I liked, um, oh, the woman in it because she was in Providence. Um, I can't remember her name. But, uh, and plus, God, I forgot Plus her it was name. in New York as well. So, yeah, out of all the CSIs, that was the one I watched. But, I, again, I just sort of faded out, stopped watching it because, you know, they just got repetitive after a while, those CSI shows. So, um, a lot of those crime shows do. Yeah, because there's only there's only so many ways you can recycle those plots. Yeah, what's her name? That's that's bothering me now. I've had to quickly Google it. Uh, Melina Kenna Carradine. I can never say her name. Um, but yeah, she used to obviously be on um Providence. I used to love that show. Providence was a good show. Um, anyway, we're here talking about random other shows, but we're still here talking about, uh... And what else is new? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, what do we, what do we have? We're to, are we to Kim putting dinner plates on the table? I think we are, aren't we? Um, yeah, we have. So Thereabouts, yeah. So we've just had the scene, yes, of, uh, Bosco and that telling the mother. So we've got Kim putting out dinner plates on the table. She thought she'd stick around for dinner. Jimmy comes up the stairs. Well, what are you doing? you got to pick up Joey. He's at Little League. And Kim's just completely spaced out. I love Jimmy here, how, like... We're talking bipolar here, Darvell. Jimmy's all like going off at Kim. Oh, what are you doing? I can't pick him up. I've got work. Five minutes later. It's all good. I'll go pick him up. I'm getting my shift covered. Which is it, Jimmy? (laughs) (laughs) Bloody hell. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that, but I I really feel bad for Kim here. Like, you know, she's she's just spaced out. She's trying her best and, um, yeah. Not focused and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like, just, you know, she's wanting to take to get burgers and things like that. But, uh, you know, Jimmy again somehow can all of a sudden get off work just to go get him. So awesome. But, uh, then we kind of get into some pretty heavy stuff here. So we've got Kim. She's back home. She's cleaning a bath. Uh, she's basically just cleaning her entire house. So we've got some great music playing in the background. Um, and we've obviously got sort of, uh, in between, uh, shots of her drinking some wine. You know, it's very well edited and kind of just the music really does, uh, add to the effect of it. Sort of intercutting with the paramedics coming to an office building where there's a man in a business suit. He's collapsed in the toilet. And, um, obviously it's sort of a, I don't know, like a law firm or some sort of upmarket New York business, you know, where young people work. Um, I don't think it's a law firm. It's probably advertising because we'll see that in the board meeting in a second. So we've got a woman. She's obviously worried about some friend of his and then obviously mentioning that he likes to get high a little bit um, and sort of talking about, you know, we need your help. Who gave this stuff to him? Uh, and then what did she say? Like, oh, you know, it's not just something that he's, you know, he's a good guy. He buys it from people in suits. And then Davis kind of has a good point of like, well, where do you think the people in the suits get it from? Um, yeah. So then we kind of get this, you know, board meeting scene where they interrupt, uh, was it Timothy Goble or something like that? Um, and Davis here kind of, you know, being the ever savvy businessman, you know, like talking about like, call your dealer, <laughs> you know, um, do this. You, It's more effective if you get the brand out there and kind of, you know, just trying to help out a drug dealer. <laughs> and, Sully, and Sully says something about, oh, you're a drug expert now? <laughs> or something like that. Well, he's like, you should be slapping cuffs on the guy. He's in there calling his lawyer right now. Um, but it, it's kind of like, again, like, you know, I think it's, this is definitely, again, one of those situations where it's like, well, they're both right in equal parts because, you know, Sally's absolutely right. He's probably calling his lawyer. He's probably getting everything, you know, I know nothing, I know nothing. Um, whereas, you know, Davis has got a sort of a bit of savviness too. Can I just want to point out a real difference between Third Watch Season 2 and to what we're going to get in the fu- in the future? And this is something that I think people should really pay attention to, especially if you're watching um, this for the very first time with us. If this is a Season 4, Season 5 episode, Season 6 episode, 
We're going to see more of this guy. He's going to be in an interrogation room. We're going to get Cruz interrogating him. We're going to get, you know, Detective Yoka, spoiler alert, interrogating him, you know. We're going to get more of the job because it's more about solving the crime. And maybe this is something which, like... I've been, I don't know, overly critical of where I've often talked about dirty kid moments which go nowhere, we get no resolution. and But then I've kind of given things a bit of a free pass by saying, well, you don't always need a resolution. Like, you know, a rock and a hard place. We don't know no, what happens don't. to those guys. And, you know, maybe again, I'm going to be missing these days where we'll have some of these moments because we never really get a resolution to this China Red storyline. We don't see who gets arrested. We don't know what happens to this guy. Is this guy calling his lawyer or is he doing... We don't know. But, like, in season four, season five... Or is he even the head guy? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, in a few seasons' time, we're going to find out everything. We're going to have these crimes solved by the end of the episode because it's more about the crimes and what's happening. And that's kind of the shift that Third Watch has a gradual take of it. And, like... I say that in season three, there's one episode to me which really is a, like that is the switch focus of it, and it's not something that does happen overnight because I think, as you kind of alluded to, we still we still get these character driven episodes, and even in season five and season six, I feel like I'm being very harshly cruel to this show. We still do get some character driven episodes in season five and season six. It's just not the focus of this show anymore. So this is where I'm kind of thinking like, if you're watching this for the very first time and you're wondering what are you talking about when this show changes. Just remember this episode. Remember this sequence right here when Davis and Sully have got this guy in a boardroom and he's calling his lawyer. Just think of the differences this would have in a couple of seasons' time when we're going to have Cruz in this in this show and Yokus has been promoted. So I just think that's an important thing to note yeah. out. And you know, it's it's kind of even like I'm saying this has got vibes of future seasons. I feel like it's got some vibes, but I mean, again, this is definitely not where it's switched focus over to that side of things. Right. What episode from season three is it that you're thinking of? I can't of remember where... the name of it, but it starts off with a montage where we've got a body being dumped in the river, and it's kind of, um, yeah, I, I can't remember that which episode it is, but it's really kind of, it's just an interesting way they start this episode off. Uh, so uh, I'm 90% certain that's a season three episode. It could be a season four episode, but I'm pretty sure it's season three. Um, but yeah, it's, when we get to it, I'll, I'll point it out to you. Because I don't know the name of it off by off by heart, but I know you're kind of good in the episode titles. Um, but yeah, so um, anyway, <laughs> um, we now have what do we have now? So we've got um, we've had Kim a bit of a shot of Kim again. She's kind of just. Uh, drinking a wine and the music and she's kind of, you know, we're not really seeing too much. And this is the thing, I'll get to the, this bit in a second with Kim when we obviously get to this scene because the way they edit it and kind of, it's it's a case of we don't actually see what we're meant to see, um, which I think is clever editing. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. We've got um, Sully and Davis in the car. They're talking about uh, Tatiana. Um, and this is kind of like... Uh, sort of a, a scene which I can relate to when it comes to Sully, when it's kind of like he's saying like, oh, you know, you don't think I'm going to get anybody else, uh, you know, and it's like, well, you don't know. And it's like, he's talking about him getting lucky and all this sort of stuff. And this is obviously where they make the suggestion, is it not about, well, you know, if you love her, you know, instead of going marry her, why don't you try get an immigration lawyer, try and get her a green card legally. And then that way, if she sticks around, you know, it's love. And if she doesn't stick around, well, you know, as well. Um, and this yep. is obviously when, you know, he says, look, I don't know if I believe her or not. So, I mean, it's a powerful little scene and it's kind of, you know, I like how they interchange this sort of with it and kind of, you know, again, because Sully just, he's so confused right now. And this is what I think the storyline works so well with Tatiana and kind of um, how 
when eventually everything with Tatiana comes to a head, because this is again, we, we mentioned when she came into this show that this isn't just a, a season two, this goes on till season four. Um, Tatiana's still in this show. And I think what they do with a lot of Tatiana's storyline is great because, you know, you're really looking through this through Sully's eyes. We don't know if we can trust her or not, do we? Like, we're, we're looking out for our beloved Sully right now. Like, don't hurt yeah. Sully. Like, you know, he's so nice and caring. So this is where, again, it's so effective and well done with uh, the Tatiana storyline that we're, we're in the car with Davis and Sully right now questioning it. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so we've got Bosco and Jokas in the car. Um, Obviously, we're talking about, like, informants giving up information, and uh, Jokas is all like, oh, it was Sully's guy. It's like, oh, but it's still, I helped out. I I reckon there's a deleted scene in there somewhere that they've kind of just chopped out because we don't see anything to do with an informant or Sully's guy. So I'm guessing, going back to my point where you would have an interrogation scene i reckon there's a scene where bosco has gotten some information out of that guy from the boardroom um but they've just cut it out of the episode because it kind of seems a little bit interesting here that bosco is mentioning about he got the information but it was sully's guy um yeah so anyway so yeah, that would make sense yeah i just kind of i just think there's got to be a scene in there somewhere that they've chopped out but i'm glad they have because i mean it's maybe would have weighed down the episode a little bit because we're straight into this action i love bosco sort of like complaining about he comes to esu and everybody there and he wants to get involved typical bosco um but then they they get on the radio they're like we need two more people and just australia because we need two more bodies yeah and just the setting of this though too like we often talk about you know this show is completely filmed in new york new york is you know it's extra character we haven't really talked about this in a while and we didn't really i i kind of feel a bit of ashamed with honor last episode that we sort of i don't say rushed through the episode but it was our shortest episode and we didn't we could have really talked a little bit more about how the the setting of them burning down the building and everything was great but yeah. this is a great yeah, shot but- of them sort of going into this abandoned building and kind of they've obviously found this building somewhere in new york and close off this street and it looks just so good um the way they've shot it and they go into this building it's completely empty uh no one's there we get over the radio or you know great information boss goes like, <laughs> nice oh, lead, boss, guy. Really. <laughs> <laughs> which you know boss goes just backtracked on it you know not taking the credit for it anymore um yeah then it obviously Only because it fucked up yeah exactly uh then we cut now to um we get an ambulance rushing pulling up uh we get a cop car and this is again very edited cleverly edited because we don't know what we're seeing here we see the paramedics are obviously very much in panic mode. So are the cops. We see a woman sort of directing them inside, and we're like, oh, who is that woman? And we kind of look at the house, and you're like, oh, the house kind of looks a bit familiar. Like, you know, I've seen this house before. Um, and then we see somebody in the bath, uh, and then we obviously, we still don't know who it is, and then we kind of see a shot of demon child Joey in the background. We see his face, and we realize it's Kim's mother, and it's Kim. She's uh, passed out in the bath. That uh, We see a wine bottle. We see some pills. And, um... What's left of them. Yeah, it's it's just very, like... I remember this episode airing, and it's something that I even wasn't expecting. And kind of, it's it's confronting without being, like, over-confronting. Like, we don't see her swallow the pills. We don't see her with the wine. We just see her passed out. And this is kind of what I think like, it's interesting about this storyline, is that th- this will sort of be a continuation, is that, like, it's implied that she's tried to kill herself. But not once do we ever get Kim saying that until later on in season three when, like, it's even... She keeps saying it was an accident, it was an accident, and then obviously she'll explain this a little bit more next season. So I think it's kind yep. of... It's it's a very cleverly done in from a viewer's perspective because we all assume she has. Um, but, you know, and everybody else around her assumes she has, but it's kind of... 
I don't know. It's This is kind of going on to what I was saying before about how they deal with this storyline because suicide and suicide attempts on any form of TV show, again, be it network cable, is a very touchy subject. It's something that is, I might say, one of the very few things that I still feel people don't know how to do properly or really know how to do effectively because I guess the issue with doing it is that they don't want to be seen as glorifying suicide. So it's always a very interesting topic and what we talked about on Nip Tuck was that they did that very graphically very very graphic suicide but it was also very emotionally done and the way that does and that that scene in season one of Nip Tuck is just by all means one of the most powerful scenes of television I've ever seen in my life um so you come out of that crying and upset but also kind of feeling why the character has done it and it's just it's just a complicated mix of emotions and you know props to ryan murphy for that but props here to uh you know the writers of third watch and and you know people involved in this episode uh obviously um the, the writer in this episode being of course julie herbert um uh sorry uh bonnie mark i apologize i uh, reading the wrong one there um but it's just, I don't know, it's just effective and kind of even here when we've got the, the cut to the hospital and we've sort of got the interchanging between the monitor and just her face and, um, you know, her waking up here and just her reactions. And it's just, you can just tell with her reactions because she's, and this sort of plays into the fact of did she do this deliberately or not because she's sort of dismissive of the nurses, she looks resigned to defeat and she kind of just lays down and has that look on her face. And this is where Kim Raver just shines in this. Like she just, you buy every single part of her character at this point and you just, this is the interesting thing. It's like no matter what your opinions are on, on mental health, suicide, anything along those lines, you, you feel for her character. Even if you like are a Jimmy in this situation and you're like, well, she's selfish, she shouldn't have done this, you can't help but just feel sorry for her. And this is where, like, again, I'm going to go on my why doesn't Third Watch get more love rant? But, like, I mean, just the acting yeah. and the way this storyline is handled, I mean, it's just done so effectively and so well. And this, I will say it right now, this storyline and what happens with Kim in this episode and how it's handled, this pushes it over to a buy for me, and I'm going to spoil it, that I will buy this episode. If this Kim stuff wasn't in this episode and it was just a China Red with a bit of Sully and Tatiana and Kim just showed up to the firehouse and gone home, I'd probably be renting this episode. But I think that kind of the, the powerful storyline with Kim and how they do it, I think, pushes it over. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I just needed to go on my little rant here. It's not really a rant, it's just a compliment yeah. uh, of how well this is all done. Yeah. Yep, and the scene where the scene where she's in the where she's in the hospital. Are you talking about the part where they put the where they put the restraints on? No, no, not yet. We're not quite to that. And this is the part where they're pulling the tube okay. out of her throat, which I will say from a okay. um a perspective of uh props, it's kind of very obvious the way they cut away that they, this throat is like to the left of her, but uh anyway, I'm not trying to diminish this scene. Uh but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you have much else to add or no, because I, I was thinking of the scene where I I was thinking of the scene where they put her in restraints and all. No, that. not yet. Because that that is very that oh is that very well done, that even, so. yeah oh absolutely agree with you. Not quite up to that yet, but um, we sort of got the waiting room scene here where obviously we've got Taylor, Davis, Sully, uh, Kim's mom, and Jimmy sort of walks in and sort of mentions like, oh, I thought you know she passed out and kind of they they look at Joey and kind of you know it's like shh you know. Um, and they, cause they're talking about pumping her stomach and said she, uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe she didn't mean to. And obviously Joey comes down to, up to Jimmy. They have a bit of a hug. She's a bit sick. She'll be okay. Um, then we kind of see a shot of Kim all curled up in a little ball. Um, and then we get a nice little scene here of, uh, Jimmy walking with Joey. 
um, you know, talking about like staying with Aunt Melanie and um, are you going to get sick too? And sort of mentioning, you know, yeah. really brave and going to come along and, uh, you know, see his game. And there's one sort of cringeworthy bit here where Jimmy says, no, baby, I won't get sick. Since when does he call Joey yeah, baby? I, yeah, <laughs> I kind of cringed at that, too. I was like, I was like, OK, well, if 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 they had a daughter, then I could then I could get that. But but I mean, the guy, the father, maybe I'm being stereotypical. Maybe we're both being stereotypical True. here. But, yeah, it is kind of creepy to kind of hear the father call the son baby now if it I, I don't think either of us would have cringed if maybe Jimmy had lost his Jimmy was a paramedic lost his partner tried to kill himself and Kim was consoling yeah. Joey yeah I don't think we would have cringed then hashtag double wait no this wouldn't be a double standard would it um it well it kind of is because I mean it's it's an interesting one because, yeah, I think it comes down to the fact that this is a, a male saying it to a male. And in a way, it is a double standard because there is a lot that sort of women can say and do and it's implied and it's never considered in a certain light. But, you know, here we are saying it's a bit cringeworthy. I don't think it's creepy. I just think it's cringeworthy. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, but, I, yeah, I, it is it is technically a double standard because, you know, again, we wouldn't be saying this if it was a woman. So, yeah, that's a double standard. So Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean it. I mean it didn't. It didn't creep. It didn't creep me out either. I just kind of did a double take when I heard that. I was like, okay, did he really just say that? I. But I, I think what it comes down up. to is I think that um, it's probably a little bit of back and forth in terms of like a lot of this would be scripted. But I. Th- I feel this is a scene which is more a play off the actors. So I reckon Eddie Sibrian just yeah. kind of said it and they just kept it in. But um. Props here, like, I, I, I'm often savage on my younger children actors when they're terrible and, you know, we call old little Joey demon child and all that sort of stuff. But i got to give Christopher Scott Fidel some props here because he he acts very well here. And I think one thing that um, Eddie Cibrian and Christopher Scott Fidel have is great chemistry. Like, you believe it's a father and son. And we'll see that um, in many episodes moving forward. I mean, there's the, uh, yeah. the, the final of this season when they sort of open, they're playing video games and... There's, uh, is it season three or season, it's season three, isn't it? When he's like, uh, they're brushing their teeth in the mirror and they're singing that, if I had a million dollars, it's season three, cause that's the ER spin off, if, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, they, um, they just work so well off each other. And I think kind of, you do believe that they're a father and son and it's emotional. Like, cause again, you've got to understand what, what would Jimmy be saying to his son? Cause what, Joey's seven. So it's kind of like, you know, what, how does a seven year old understand this? So, um, yeah, it's, it's and Eddie well Cibrian, you know, Eddie Cibrian, I don't know where I read this, but just some random person said that Eddie Cibrian has been known to be pretty, has been known to be pretty good with kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. I mean, you know, every woman wants to be with this guy cause he's just so goddamn looking. He smiles at people and they want to have sex with him. And of course he's good with kids. So let's just make that. He's like yeah. the greatest person in the world. <laughs> so... <laughs> Minus all the womanizing, but <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's yeah. all Leanne Rhymes, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's how they yeah. <laughs> um, Tell you the truth, I'm not entirely, I'm not 100 familiar with the 
with the soap opera of his <laughs> life with Leanne Rhymes. I so, so need to. I just, I like, I, it's available on YouTube. You can like pay for it because I can't find it anywhere else. And I think I'm going to do it one day, one week, and I've got nothing to do. There's only like 10 episodes of it, but I, I want to watch the Leanne Rhymes and Eddie Cibrian reality show. I watched a trailer for it, it looked terrible. But I just kind of like, when are we ever going to see a third watch actor in a reality show? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm going to watch it and I feel like we should do just like one episode on just how bad this is. And yeah. Yeah. We yeah. all know that that reality shit, though, is scripted in its own way. <laughs> yes, it's exactly. It's over-dramatized. Anyway, so we've got uh, Davis and Sully. This is actually... I jumped I jumped the gun before. This is actually the scene with Davis and Sully where uh, they're talking about getting an immigration lawyer. But, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of all uh, in the same bit there. We don't really need to add too much uh, when it comes to that. <laughs> then we're uh, yeah. back to the hospital. This is the scene you're talking about with restraints because uh, we get our best... You went on our uh, self-importance of being Carlos episode... Darvel, Dana. But, but we get Jenica back. No, not Dana. Dana's got oh. one more episode to come. Her final episode's next episode, oh. and we'll get to that. Um, oh, we've got uh, Jenica, our sort of sexy alternative um, counsellor, who Carlos psychologist. had sex with. Yeah, yes, psychologist. So mm-hmm. she's back yep. for her yep, I remember. second appearance. I always thought that they were going to kind of make her a more of a prominent character, but she's only in two episodes. But um, I like her. She's she's pretty sexy and I kind of like how they kind of she's a good actor so but here she is obviously talking to Kim and they've got to keep Kim on a 72 hour hold and Kim sort of saying like it's an accident you know I don't need to be here uh, and this is just great acting they restrain yeah. her uh, get these off of me get mom. these off of me mom get help. these off of me mum come there's and he- nothing wrong with me mum come and help me yeah. and all this sort of yeah. stuff and yeah it's just it's just very again props to Kim Raver great acting and you just again really feel for her here and it's kind of just interesting how they do it we've got obviously Jimmy sort of staring through the window at her and just as she's struggling so Yep. Yeah, and it's, then it's and then tough. she just, I mean, it's it it is it is very tough to watch. I mean, I I still have a lot of, I mean, even with the impression I just did, I still have a lot of, I still have a lot of trouble getting through getting through that scene. But yes, it is. It's hard to watch, but it's, yeah. And I I kind of love where. You know, she just stops. She just stops struggling, like just abruptly. She just stops struggling, and it's like she just just collapses onto the bed. Yeah, she sort of resigns to col- her fate. Yeah, which I mean, I guess kind of. She's really got no choice because you know she's in a no. Like they're going to keep her no she matter what. Can't exactly go anywhere. Yeah, you just, you feel for her, but it's kind of again, it's one of these polarizing ones where like. You know, I'm here saying you feel for it, feel for it, but I'm I'm definitely sure like there are going to be a lot of Jimmys watching this and sort of thinking like, well, you know, she did this to herself, so she deserves it and things like that. So, um, it's kind of it's one of these definitely interesting ones when it comes down to that. Uh, we've obviously then yeah we cut to uh, we've got poor old little Kevin Bosco and Yoko show up. Kevin's been sniffing the china red. He's like a 13 year old kid. Um, and his friends all scared, looking around, and obviously they've tried this out. He's got some powder in his nose and. Bosco and uh, Jokic become paramedics for five minutes and get the uh, defibrillator out and save him. And then all of a sudden, uh, Taylor and Doc show up and Bosco's just yelling at this poor little kid. Uh, but we find out that, yeah, he's obviously tried the China Red, which, like, A, how do these kids have money? B, what drug dealer is selling? I mean, okay, I shouldn't question drug dealers selling to kids. Of course they are. That's what, you know, scumbags do. But, like, how do they afford this? Or does some just douchebag drug dealer just give it to the kids for shits and gigs? Like, how does this work? Well, 
I have heard. I have heard that there are some. De- there are. I have heard there are some dealers out there who, you know, if someone just wants to try something as a test, they'll say, you know, hey, I'll give you a. I'll give you a sample of this. Let you tr- let you try it out. Mm, maybe that could be. So maybe problem. that's what happened here. Maybe. And well, I, I or, will say, good acting though with Jason Wiles when he's like grabbing this kid and, you know, he's like, what are you, 11, 13? Oh, so you're a big boy now. Like how everybody kind of like, he's not really stepping in. Even Taylor sort of questioning it when she sort of sews up. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful scene. Um, but, you know, it's kind of just the extent of just this China red that's been spread out there that even the kids are showing it. And it obviously leads us into, um, you know, this car scene with Yokus and Bosco and, uh, you know, talking about how, oh, everything we tell our kids not to do, they do, and Bosco's great line of, like, oh, maybe we should tell them to read. Uh, <laughs> so, I thought that was faith. Uh, no, Bosco says that, I think, pretty sure to Yokus. Yokus is the one who's saying it. But um, then I love how Yokus is all like, oh, you know, he's only one year older than Emily, kind of like talking about, you know, Emily maybe doing drugs. Hmm. Hmm. Just remember that, people. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Snowblind. <it's> defi- definitely. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, yep. but obviously they... Special K. Yeah. <laughs> Has- hashtag Special K. What's that douchebag, douche nozzle that hooks up with Emily? What's his name? Eric. Eric. Oh, douche nozzle yeah, Eric. Eric Beckman. What a dick. Um, <laughs> I like Bonnie Dennison. I have nothing against Bonnie Dennison. It's just, oh, wait till we get to it. Um, so there... <laughs> and douche nozzle? Douche nozzle. <laughs> douche nozzle Eric. That's a new one. Yeah, well, there you go. You can use I that. I like it. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> up there with Dirty Kid. Uh, Bosco, they, they're searching, <laughs> obviously, for more people to do this China Red. They're in an alley, and we see all these strung out sort of people in an alley. I love how Bosco's like, you scored tonight, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, it's kind of like, it's, <laughs> it's confronting in many ways, too, because you've got, obviously, like, these people are just, this is their life. They live in alleys and just, you know... Yeah, it's it's kind of sad, but I guess this is life, isn't it? You know, this is people out yeah. there living that life. So mm-hmm. um, we then get a, a Jimmy scene here with uh, Catherine, Kay, uh, Kim's mother. This conversation, you know, he's this is where sort of he's talking about like how could she do this? You know, Joey was that I don't want Joey with her, and kind of this is where uh, Catherine steps in. And is like I lost his second father. Yeah, lost second father. Bobby was like second father uh, when he was around, just given because we never saw him this season. Um, and then obviously Catherine's sort of like, you know, you always want to be the hero. You're right in here when you need to be there. You know, stick to Saturdays. I'll look after him. You know, he needs some consistency. And kind of, we, it's it's interesting because like we sort of see Jimmy a little bit resigned here. You think he's sort of given up, but we're obviously going to get a great payoff scene with this sort of at the end when Jimmy sort of stands up for this uh, along the way. Um... Then we just get a scene in the uh, the cop shop, the uh, the precinct, in the locker room, talking about uh, bringing back the little kid back to life. Um, and then they talk about uh, Kim. You know, she tried to kill herself. And then what do they say? Like, oh, maybe we should call the 5-5 to see if they need anything. Now, my question here, Darvell, they do realise they're right across the street from the 5-5, so they could probably... Why not go over there? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a nice gesture. I, I kind of like kind of a subtle little scene here where they obviously are mentioning about, um, you know, we should do something to help, but, uh, you know, we don't really see much from that. Yeah. Um, then we've got... Uh, we're back to Jenica. She's uh, giving counselling to everybody in the firehouse. Uh, apparently she's only there when Kim tries to kill herself and not when Bobby, uh, actually dies. So, um, <laughs> I'm sure she did at some point. We just didn't see it. Um, 
and they're all here, obviously, like discussing, you know, the reactions to Kim. And what does uh, Carlos say? Oh, we all knew she was a little bit unstable, <laughs> which is like, wow, <laughs> Carlos. Um, hey, Carlos, are you trying to get in Jenica's pants again? Because I'm pretty sure that ship has long since. Well, we never, sailed. we never see any interaction between the two, do we? So it's kind of like, well, you know, clearly they're still frosty between the two. But bit of bit of dick doc moment here. You know, I don't have time for this. And the way he's all like, you know, oh, do you want to give her a call at least? Oh, I'll send her a card. Uh, you know, so yeah, bit of a bit of a dick doc moment here. Um, and then he's obviously like, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of him having been there and everything. And then this is when Jimmy walks in and says, you know, oh, it's everyone's fault but hers. I got to change. And then we we get this nice scene between Jimmy and uh, Taylor, which Taylor's always kind of the nosy one with Jimmy. I, I think Taylor's got a thing for Jimmy here, Darbell. I don't think I've ever noticed this oh. before. But like Taylor's always there, ready to stick her nose into Jimmy's business. Have you ever noticed this? Yeah. <laughs> and it just always yes. comes down to the fact that they're both firefighters and they're trying to make this a thing in terms of like, oh, we've got to have our firefighters be connected here on Third Watch. But she's always just hanging around, sticking her nose into Jimmy's business. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Yeah, anyway, but it's a nice scene because obviously, you know, Jimmy's sort of talking about, you know, he's selfish and she shouldn't have done that. But then Taylor kind of is the the voice of reason here. Like, can you just imagine how much pain she would have had to be to have done that? And then Jimmy's kind of like, there's not enough pain in the world. And like, it's just, yeah, I'm I'm team Taylor here. I'm just saying that. Yeah, Um, I mean, I mean, you kind of want to, you kind of want to say to him, you kind of want to say, that, okay, Jimmy. Well, picture picture yourself in this scene. I mean, your your best friend gets shot right in front of you. You have the the junkie who shot him holds the gun to your head and then runs off. You're trying to save your friend's life, and and all that. And this is someone that you rode in an ambulance with. You shared an ambulance with this person for like, God, how how many years were they? Yeah. Were Kim and Bobby partners. Yeah. Like, how, how would you, how do you think you'd feel, Jimmy? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, um, I mean, I understand that it is a very touchy subject and people deal with it in many ways. Um, you know, I've, I've experienced situations in my life in relation to sort of suicide and suicide attempts. I've seen both sides of this argument and I've seen both sides of this situation. So, uh, and everybody's going to have a different viewpoint on it. I understand that. Same with mental health. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that... It's, it, and this is... It's something that never... It's not like, oh, you've got cancer. Cancer's bad. Let's fight cancer. You know, everyone's going to agree cancer's bad and it should be stopped. It's different when it comes to suicide and mental health because people feel there's certain levels around it that people are doing it in ways and it's, it's something... And, it's again. It's a whole other kettle of fish. But like, I I am definitely Team Taylor here, more on the Taylor side of the argument here than the Jimmy side. Completely on it's the Taylor side. Because mental health can't Jimmy. actually be seen. And it, it, it yeah, yeah, it's very very true, very true. So um, you know, it's again. This is what I think Third Watch is doing well in handling this issue. Is that it's allowing us to see the both perspectives of it without being preachy. And it's also done in a subtle mm-hmm. way that you're also in your mind thinking, well, who am I agreeing with here? Jimmy Taylor, you know, it's kind of, again, it's not being forced down your throat. So I think right. this is what third watch does it with a nice balance. Um, so yeah. And I mean, for the, for the most part, 90% of the time, third watch does it very, very well um, with, with any taboo sort of subjects. And it's not really a show that really covers taboo subjects to be completely honest. You know, we're not, um, 
I mean, it does with certain ones, but like, you know, if we're talking taboo subjects when it comes to, say, like, Nip Tuck, which kind of goes out of its way to find every taboo subject under the sun to deal with, um, you know, let's not forget we just recently, in terms of data recording this, covered the necrophilic incest episode of uh, Nip Tuck. But, um, yeah, it's... It's, it's interesting when it comes to uh, some of the topics here and everything along those lines. And, yeah, so... Um, we obviously... Was Nip Tuck, is that another, is that another cop show? Oh, or... God, no, it's a, it's a plastic surgery show. It's, uh, although, oh, in season okay. three, there is a few elements where they kind of are turning it into a cop show, which is kind of on the nose. But, yeah, it's basically about two um, Miami plastic surgeons and sort of their crazy life. If, you, if you've ever seen anything Ryan Murphy's ever done, you know, American Horror Story, Glee... Uh, you know, people versus OJ Simpson. Like, I mean, Ryan Murphy's a, just an absolute genius. And that's why, like, when it comes to us eventually covering 911, which I guess by the time of us releasing this episode, you would have seen us already covering it. Because to date this, we're recording this in November before it's uh, even been released 911. And we're, I think, releasing this in about March. So there's about a four month gap in between recording and releasing this. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see when it comes to 911, if it's going to have a Ryan Murphy touch to it, whether it's just going to be outlandish, you know, over the top storylines or whether or not he's going to scale his, uh, creative, brilliant mind back a little bit. So, um, yeah, look, look forward to Ryan Murphy's third watch coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, but yeah, so we've obviously got this nice little scene here between Sully and Tatiana. Tatiana's been waiting up for Sully. Uh, he's sort of saying he's been busy and nice little scene here where Tatiana's, you know, oh, have you been thinking about what they asked you? And he's, you know, like, oh, you know, I haven't been thinking about anything else. And he's just kind of like, we'll talk about it, I promise. Just not now. Let's just leave it alone for a little while. And it's a sweet little scene. It's a nice little scene. So, yeah. You know, any Tatiana, Sally stuff is good. But then we obviously close it out. We are sort of going back track where I said, but it's kind of seemed like Jimmy was consigned to, uh, resigned, I should say, to sort of listen to Catherine and sort of, you know, take her route. But no, this is where Jimmy stands up. Jimmy becomes a strong father. He says, I'm taking Joey. He needs a father right now. Uh, when this blows over, you know, he can stay here if he wants to. But right now, I appreciate you being here, but I'm going to be here for my son. And like, let's just say, yes, Jimmy, team Jimmy here. Well done. You needed to stand up for yourself here and take him back. And, uh, like, as much as I disagree with Jimmy's viewpoint on what's going on with Kim, much as I disagree with Jimmy being a slut and sleeping around, uh, I have to say that Jimmy here is definitely uh, the hero and not in the way that Catherine thinks he is. He's coming here to stand up as being a father. And really, from this point, you you, you summed it up beautifully, Darvell, I think, at the beginning of this episode. J- Jimmy's a changed person, and Jimmy becomes, like, sort of... I mean, he really does calm down, I feel, Jimmy, at this point. Like, we don't really see Lothario out there, Jimmy. I mean, do we even see Jimmy with anybody else moving forward except for Kim? I don't think we do. I don't think think so. I don't think we do. So, there you go. That's Um, to kind of really summarize Jimmy slowing down. (laughs) Um, So... And, you know, you you have to ask yourself, if Bobby had never died, would this have... Would he have... Would he have been motivated... So to speak, to make that change That's in his life, or would he have continued being a man whore? Well, I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right. I think that it's got a lot to do with that. And I also think it's got a lot connected to with obviously what happened with Brooke. That maybe it came down to the fact that you know he finally has it clicked, and that he's you know thrown away a lot and he's growing up I mean we mature as we grow up like I mean you know you don't necessarily feel most of us do well most of us but like I mean uh, you know I notice as I get older I don't necessarily feel like I'm older I don't sit around thinking I'm the age I am 
but I guess you also realise in certain situations that you are mature and you handle things differently to when you were younger. So there's subtle little things, and I think Jimmy's just growing up. And um, we get a very more mature Jimmy coming season three. Actually, no, we do see Jimmy with somebody else because um, there's that episode when he's on the uh, the episode when he's on the motorbike and he crashes on the bridge. He wakes up with a woman. And he says goodbye to her. Remember that oh. episode? Is, is that season four? Uh, no. It's one where Taylor gets no, run I... over. Just spoiler alert. Um, oh. <laughs> they're, they're on the cr- bridge. Crash and, crash and burn. Crash, crash and burn. burn. Is that season, season four? four? Episode four. There you yeah, go. Look at you. Four. Giving me specifics. So, yeah. We, we see him wake up in the morning with a pretty attractive woman. Because he gets on the motorbike and rides off. So, um, there's at least one that we see Jimmy hooking up with. So... Um, yeah, just spoiler alert, Taylor gets run over. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway, oh, and that's, oh no, I just read what else happens in that episode. Oh, no. Anyway, um, that is, that is, uh, that is the end here of, uh, of, of Walking Wounded. Um, anything more to add? An up- an appropriate title. Yes. Because that is definitely an appropriate title because, I mean, this episode, honestly, I think it should have centered entirely around Kim. Mm. I'm going to be bold and say that because she is truly walking wounded at this point. Yeah, we didn't really mention that, did we? The fact that this isn't a character-centric episode. And I think I sort of touched on that at the end of Honor, saying that this is um, the last example. Uh, I mean, well, and Zeus Wept isn't really character-centric, but you've got Sully narrating it. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's... yeah, I, this is sort of your last example this season of really a non-character-centric one. It's been few and far between, obviously, this episode as uh, season. But, um, yeah, I agree with that. I think kind of it could have been a little bit more Kim-centric. But, again, what more could have you really done with her bit, I think, without showing what she does? So, um, but, yeah, very much an appropriate title. I agree with you there. Um, now, what are we going to do here, David? I will just quickly say, in terms of buying it, renting a bin, can I just point out here in the Evil or Review section um, that this is officially, at least at the time of recording this, the 200th television episode that we will be recapping. So, round of applause for us reaching our 200th TV episode. That's, that's a big milestone here on the, uh, the Oz Network. Um, but, uh, yeah. Congratulations, Ben. Thank you very much. Evil or Review, uh, you're buying, binning, renting. Bye. Bye. Ding ding ding. Yep, yep, def- yep, definitely definitely buying it. Largely because I mean the the Kim the Kim aspect of it. Like I said, I think this episode should have been should have been more of a even more of a Kim centric mm-hmm. one just because I mean she she nails this. You I mean you have to wonder what did they do what did they what did they do to make the act to make Kim Raver you know, absolutely nail the part where where she just loses it in the hospital. Well, they mightn't have done anything. It's just she just might be a gifted actor, and she just does it herself. She just goes to yep. a place in yep, the brain. Maybe and, you know. I mean, she moving forward in lots of other shows. She she's good at crying. So um, you know, she's crying yeah. in twenty four. I mean, you just have to so. watch. You just have to watch twenty four to do that. Uh, actually, uh, not a, not a weird note. Tw- Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say you just have to watch twenty four. Uh, season four, the end of the two a.m. to three a.m. episode. Spoiler alert! Yeah, Paul Rains dies, oh. and her reaction. My God! Don't 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 spoil it. Um, but the the thing that um, believe me, Ben, 
I guarantee you more people listening will have seen 24 than third watch. The, the funny thing actually is, and like, again, by the time of us releasing this, it might have already aired, but I actually did just read that Kim Raver has just signed on to appear in Designated Survivor to be reunited oh, with Kim Sutherland. So, um, look, I, I watched Let's Designated Survivor. I'm glad, I'm glad she's joining. I'm glad she's finally left the dribble that is Grey's Anatomy. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's a show that I watch because I only watch it purely because Kiva Sutherland's in it. Uh, so, you know, uh, I look forward to seeing her again. By the time of this being released, she's probably already appeared, she's probably died. I don't know, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm buying it. Absolutely. Uh, I already alluded to that. Um, and I said, like, if the Kim stuff wasn't in this episode, it probably would be a solid rent for me, but, uh, the Kim stuff definitely yeah. pushes it over to a buy. Um, but I just want to quickly some stats here, Darvel. You have now officially bought seven in a row. Congratulations. Um, All right. We classify Brandy's last two episodes. That's nine in a row for the uh, person that isn't me on the third watch episodes. Um, and I've now officially bought six in a row. I'm on a bit of a streak too after. Ah, uh, you're trailing. You're trailing in third place behind Brandy and me. But I think neither of you are going to maybe catch my eleven in a row that I bought between uh, episode twenty-one of season one and episode nine of season two. So um, challenge accepted. <laughs> we're off uh, though to man enough next episode. We've got our final doc-centric episode of the season and. Uh, we get a bit of resolution when it comes to dear old Doc and dear old Morales, and it's definitely oh. a, another step down on the path to Doc's uh, gradual decline in life. It's a, it's a tough episode. It's 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 very well acted, and um, got to say, got to say, it makes me sad. Got to say, Darvell, um, you know, I've got a lot to say about Doc's motives in this episode because um, I I, I kind of going to say too. this now. Doc's kind of only got himself to blame, so... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, but uh, we'll be talking about Man Enough next. In the meantime, if you want to get involved more, you can email us, alwaysyoznetwork at hotmail.com. If you want to subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, where else there for you to get involved in. In the meantime, this has been our coverage of Third Watch. This has been a fun episode, as always, and we look forward to continuing on. My name is Ben, and you scored tonight, didn't you? Yeah, you did. <laughs> My name is Darvell, and I don't give a damn about any of them. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.